0: I'm going to open with a scripture verse taken from a speech that the Apostle Paul gave, not to a group of Christians, not to worshipers, not to Bible readers. In fact, the people he spoke these to had probably never read a single verse out of the Bible, the, the part of it that they had at that time. But he said these astounding words Acts 17, verse 27. The Lord is not far from each one of us. FOR IN HIM, WE LIVE AND MOVE AND HAVE OUR BEING. TODAY, I WANT TO ADDRESS AND HOPEFULLY HELP SHATTER THE ILLUSION OF SEPARATION. THE ILLUSION OF SEPARATION. AN ILLUSION IS A, uh, IT'S AN ERRONEOUS PERCEPTION. IT IS A FALSE BELIEF. Uh, AND I SUPPOSE THIS ILLUSION, IT'S uh, AFFECTING PRETTY WELL ALL RELIGIONS, THIS ILLUSION OF SEPARATION THAT I'M TALKING ABOUT IS THE SEPARATION BETWEEN GOD AND PEOPLE. THIS IDEA WHICH COMES IN ALL FORMS THAT GOD IS FAR AWAY, GOD IS DISTANT, GOD IS SEPARATED FROM US. Uh, YOU KNOW, WE MIGHT SAY, WELL, GOD IS PRESENT, BUT HE'S ONLY PARTIALLY PRESENT. YEAH, WE BELIEVE THAT GOD EXISTS. GOD IS THERE, BUT uh, NOT REALLY HERE, AT LEAST NOT FULLY. WE NEED HIM TO COME MORE. AND IN OUR CHARISMATIC FORM OF CHRISTIAN RELIGION, WE HAVE MANY EXPRESSIONS THAT CONFIRM THIS. WE TALK ABOUT PRESSING IN TO GOD'S PRESENCE. WE TALK ABOUT START EACH DAY BY ENTERING GOD'S PRESENCE. WELL, YOU MUST HAVE EXITED it DURING THE NIGHT THEN. OR MAYBE THE PREVIOUS EVENING BECAUSE OTHERWISE YOU WOULDN'T NEED TO ENTER UNLESS YOU HAVE EXITED. Uh, WE TALK ABOUT SPENDING TIME WITH THE LORD. THAT PRESUPPOSES THAT WE SPEND A LOT OF TIMES WITHOUT THE LORD. Can you hear the silence in the room? It's so beautiful. Uh, we, We talk about many of these things, and of course, WE COULD INTERPRET THIS POSITIVELY TO SAY, WELL, YOU KNOW, PEOPLE people DON'T REALLY MEAN IT LIKE THAT. THEY JUST MEAN, YOU KNOW, FOCUS ON THE LORD. WELL, HOPEFULLY THAT'S TRUE, EXCEPT OF THE the ABUNDANCE OF THE HEART, THE MOUTH SPEAKS AND IF WE REINFORCE SOMETHING, uh, THEN, (laughs) YOU KNOW, OUR WORDS REINFORCE SOMETHING AND I AM AFRAID THAT IT'S NOT JUST A MANNER OF SPEECH. Uh, YOU KNOW, I READ AN ARTICLE RECENTLY BY A Uh, Pastor, AND HE WAS TALKING ABOUT HOW HEAVEN IS BRASS. WE CAN'T GET THROUGH TO GOD. BUT HE SAID IN SOME CITIES, HEAVEN IS THINNER. HIS EXPRESSION, NOT MINE. THERE'S A THINNER HEAVEN AND and THAT'S WHAT WE CALL REVIVALS. IF YOU GET TO THAT PLACE, THAT BUILDING WHERE HEAVEN IS THINNER, IT'S EASIER TO BREAK THROUGH. WE MET THIS WHEN WE WERE IN JERUSALEM. WE MET A COUPLE in, IN JERUSALEM, NOT A PART OF OUR TOUR. Uh, We had dinner with them one night, uh, well-to-do business people who were spending three weeks uh, at a nice hotel by the Wailing Wall because they felt uh, they could pray easier there. WHICH, OF COURSE, IF THAT WOULD BE TRUE, THEN uh, REALLY BREAKING THROUGH TO GOD WOULD ONLY BE FOR RETIRED PEOPLE WHO HAVE RETIRED WITH QUITE CONSIDERABLE WEALTH TO BE ABLE TO TRAVEL AND NOT THINK ABOUT THE uh, DUTIES OF LIFE. IF YOU'RE A SINGLE PARENT, DON'T WORRY ABOUT IT. YOU DON'T FIT IN ANYHOW HERE. Uh, IT KIND OF REMINDS ME OF THE NEW AGE BELIEF THAT Tina AND I ENCOUNTERED IN SIDONIA, ARIZONA WHERE THEY HAVE A VORTEX. THEY HAVE VORTEX PLACES WHERE IF YOU GO THERE, IT'S LIKE SPIRITUAL POWERS ARE THERE. AND uh, YOU KNOW, this, THIS KIND OF TALKING REINFORCES SEPARATION. WE'RE SOMEHOW ESTRANGED OR PARTIALLY ESTRANGED. GOD IS ELUSIVE. HE'S THERE AND HE WOULD LIKE US TO BREAK THROUGH TO HIM AND HE WANTS TO BE WITH US MORE FULLY BUT, but, but HE CAN'T UNLESS WE MITIGATE uh, OUR PROBLEM BY SERIOUS uh, EFFORTS. AND SACRIFICES AND APPLICATION OF PRINCIPLES AND RITUALS AND and IT WAS EVEN A BOOK WRITTEN CALLED GOD CHASERS. I MEAN, THAT IS REALLY SOMETHING, YOU'RE CHASING AFTER GOD AND HE'S KIND OF DODGING YOU. YOU PICTURE THE ideas. ALL THIS LEADS TO A VERY UNATTRACTIVE AND TO ME PERSONALLY, IF I MAY SHARE MY TESTIMONY, A VERY UNINTERESTING FORM OF RELIGION very, very uninterested. I I simply am not interested in this. I am not interested in a faith where I have to kind of go to a special place and do this and God is hard to catch. But many people live in that realm. They live in the have not realm. Uh, You know, God would like to do so much among us, but he's just not able to do it because, you know, we have all these uh, hindrances, uh, which Poor God, he's hindered by our hindrances. Not much of an almighty, but anyhow, uh, that's how they talk. So what fuels this? Well, I wanna give you three illusions. Illusion number one, the illusion of sacred space. All religions have it. If you would put up the chart that I gave to you, I'll show you the sacred space idea in Judaism. In Judaism, in the old covenant, THEY BELIEVED THAT THE NATION OF ISRAEL WAS GOD'S HOLY NATION. THAT WAS HOLY. NOW ALL THE WORLD BELONGS TO THE LORD, BUT THAT WAS HOLY. NOW IN THAT HOLY PLACE, JERUSALEM WAS HOLIER THAN THE OTHER PLACES. BUT IN JERUSALEM, THERE WAS A PLACE THAT WAS HOLIER THAN THE REST, WHICH WAS THE TEMPLE. AND IN THE TEMPLE, YOU HAD A place. In the temple that was holier than the other, it was called the Holy of Holies. So they were very much into sacred space, such as similar as our Buddhist friends, many Protestant friends, Catholic friends, you know, How many churches in Toronto <laughs> didn't start the service by welcome to the house of God this morning, uh, believing that they're building that has, has some special dedication. Now, the fact is this, THAT JESUS ERASED THE DISTINCTION BETWEEN SACRED SPACE AND SECULAR SPACE. ACCORDING TO JESUS AND THE GOSPEL, THE WHOLE WIDE WORLD IS GOD'S HOLY LAND, INCLUDING THE STREET WHERE YOU LIVE. JESUS WAS VERY SUBVERSIVE IN THESE MATTERS. I I READ TO YOU, IT SAYS IN JOHN CHAPTER 2, VERSE 19, JESUS SAID, DESTROY THIS TEMPLE AND IN THREE DAYS I WILL RAISE IT UP. THEN THE JEWS SAID, IT'S TAKEN 46 YEARS TO BUILD THIS TEMPLE, AND YOU'LL RISE AND up IN THREE DAYS. BUT HE WAS SPEAKING ABOUT THE TEMPLE OF HIS BODY. THIS WAS SCANDALOUS. JESUS WAS SAYING, MY BODY IS THE HOLY PLACE. I'M THE TEMPLE. Forgiveness doesn't come by you going to a holy place, the temple, but by coming to me. So Jesus was shattering the monopoly of the temple. He's saying, You think you have to go to that place? No, no, he says. My body is the temple. And so Jesus bypassed the whole religious system and he outraged the religious elite, he was putting them out of business. Uh, you, YOU KNOW, I, I SAY it LIKE THIS, JESUS PUT HIMSELF IN THE CENTER OF GOD'S DEALING WITH HUMANITY. THAT MADE HIM A WALKING, TALKING, WRECKING RELIGION MACHINE. THAT'S MY addition THERE AT THE END OF THAT. JESUS IS SAYING, I AM AT THE CENTER OF GOD'S DEALING WITH HUMANITY. IT'S NOT A PLACE. IT'S NOT A SACRED SPACE. I'M THE SACRED SPACE. YOU CAN UNDERSTAND, THIS WAS RUINING THE BUSINESS AND SO IT'S FURTHER DESCRIBED IN THE FAMOUS STORY OF JESUS CLEANSING THE TEMPLE. YOU REMEMBER THE STORY, RIGHT? HE WENT IN THERE AND, YOU KNOW, SOME PEOPLE HAVE USED THIS AS AN ILLUSTRATION. YOU CAN'T SELL BOOKS IN THE, in the SANCTUARY ON SUNDAY, YOU KNOW, BUT LOOK AT WHAT JESUS REALLY DID. HE WENT IN THERE, HE KICKED OVER THE MONEY changers' TABLES AND HE KICKED OVER THE TABLE WITH THE doves AND THE SACRIFICES. So, what was Jesus doing? Number one, he was temporarily putting the whole temple out of business. Because all the doves that were sitting there, can you see the nice doves? He just kicked them over. What do you think the doves did? They flew to the ceiling and out the window. So, there was nothing for them to sell. <laughs> so, he put the whole business of the temple temporarily out of business. And what was the temple's business? It was sin management. So you commit a sin, you go to the temple and you use your special Roman coins to buy temple coins. It's a bad exchange rate, but anyhow, you bought temple coins <laughs> and then and then you bought the specially blessed doves or the sheep for the sacrifice. and now Jesus turned it all over, so everybody's STANDING in the lineup, where 's my dove?" Well, it flew out the window. so he 's putting as a kind of a preemptive strike, he's putting that out of business because he is the temple. He is the one who forgives sins. Are you, are you listening? And then what he does, then he says, he says he calls the temple a den of thieves. Now, a den of thieves is not where thieves go to steal. It's where they go after they stole. It's the hangout for thieves. After they're done robbing and stealing, you know, thieves got to go someplace where they can hang out and have a little beer or a coffee, talking about all the ripoffs they did. So, a den of thieves, he's saying, You turn my father's house into a hangout for you people who steal from regular people. You are fooling them that there's forgiveness in something where there is not forgiveness, and then you go to your hangout. And then it says in the story that Jesus invited the blind and the lame to the temple. Blind and lame people weren't allowed in the temple. That was a desecration of the temple. So Jesus invites them and he has a healing service showing what his heavenly father is really like. You see, Jesus is introducing a whole new operation. It says in Matthew 18, here's Jesus, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. I'm there. That's the sacred space. So you could say about this building right now. For about another hour, this place is a sanctuary. But the moment we leave, this is not a sanctuary. We have called it auditorium, but it's it, 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 it's it's just as long as we are here. We're gathered in His name. You, you see, we have this propensity to want to think that there is sacred space, that there's a special place, there's a special plaque, there's something special. You know, Simon Peter had this problem on the Mount of Transfiguration where he saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus was his first instinct, let's build three altars. Let's build three, three cabins. He wants to build something. But the father says, no, this is my beloved son, hear him. IT'S NOT ABOUT A BUILDING. IT'S NOT ABOUT A COMMEMORATION. IT'S ABOUT JESUS CHRIST. A SANCTUARY IS JUST A COMMUNITY OF BELIEVERS. HERE'S WHAT IT SAYS. FIRST CORINTHIANS 3, DO YOU NOT KNOW THAT YOU ARE THE TEMPLE OF GOD AND THAT THE SPIRIT OF GOD LIVES IN YOU? FOR THE TEMPLE OF GOD IS HOLY WHICH TEMPLE YOU ARE. SO WHY DO PEOPLE HAVE THIS ILLUSION OF SEPARATION? ONE OF THE REASONS IS BECAUSE THEY THINK CERTAIN SPACES ARE holy. Oh, I've been dealing with some things. I'm going to get over to the house of God this coming Sunday to deal with it. You're going over to the house of God? Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? It says in Ephesians, we are a building of God. Peter said, we are living stones. Hallelujah. You know, the early Christians, and I have this, I put it on the notes, believed that God's spirit lived within a relational temple. GOD'S SPIRIT LIVED WITHIN A RELATIONAL TEMPLE. It was, IT WAS PEOPLE WHO HAD GOD'S SPIRIT IN THEM. YOU ARE THE TEMPLE OF GOD. JESUS SAID, I'M THE TEMPLE OF GOD. YOU SEE, AND THAT'S WHY IN THE EARLY PART OF CHRISTIANITY, FOR THE FIRST 200 YEARS AT LEAST, MAYBE 300 YEARS IN MOST PLACES, THERE WAS NO CHURCH BUILDINGS. THERE WAS NO BUILDING. THE EARLIEST I HAVE TRACED WAS a, SOMETHING SUPPOSEDLY LIKE A CHURCH BUILDING THAT WAS BUILT 200 YEARS AFTER CHRIST. They met in homes, in halls, and in pavilions. Come on now, I said in pavilions. It's actually in the Bible. They met there, but they didn't have a building. That came much later for reasons we can discuss another time. Uh, Because it was so entrenched in them that the temple is not a sacred space, it's not a Physical space or building that we dedicate to God, and then God shows up there. That we are the temple of God. It took two hundred to maybe three hundred and fifty years in many parts where they realized this: we are never going to succumb to the religious thinking that God shows up in certain sacred geographical spaces because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on, come on! If you, I, I know, I'm challenging you. You, you see. And it took me years here in Toronto Celebration Church to deal with this. Years. Oh, yeah. They used to have a sign on the door No coffee in the sanctuary. It took me several years to get them to change that to No coffee in the auditorium. I used to come and say, No coffee in the sanctuary? You see, what I do every morning, I spill a full cup of coffee. In the sanctuary every morning. In fact, Tina and I, probably between us, we spill three cups of coffee. First thing we do, right in the sanctuary, we just spill it right in there. So I was confused. I was feeling condemned. I come here and HE said, No coffee in the sanctuary. I said, Well, am I a bad sinner because I spilled a whole cup? Some mornings when I need it, I spilled two cups. INTO THE SANCTUARY BEFORE I GOT HERE. AND THIS IS THE THING THEY WARNED ME ABOUT HERE. I CAN'T PUT COFFEE IN THE SANCTUARY. I MEAN, WHERE ELSE DO I PUT IT? I WOULDN'T WANT TO PUT IT IN THE AUDITORIUM BECAUSE THAT'S MORE WORK FOR OUR CLEANING PERSONNEL. SO no. ARE YOU WITH ME? BUT THESE THINGS ARE SO EMBEDDED IN US. AND SO I WANT you TO KNOW FOR THE RECORD, TINA AND I, WE SPILLED THREE CUPS OF COFFEE BETWEEN US INTO THE SANCTUARY. This. LORD'S DAY MORNING, HALLELUJAH. CAN YOU GIVE THE LORD A BIG PRAISE FOR THAT? I'M TRYING TO FREE YOU FROM THE ILLUSION OF SACRED SPACE. SACRED SPACE IS WHEREVER YOU ARE. IF YOU'RE ON THE SUBWAY, THAT'S SACRED SPACE. SECOND ONE, AM I DOING GOOD? <laughs> THIS ILLUSION, PEOPLE, have GOT TO PRESS INTO GOD. You know, I CAN'T LIVE LIKE THAT, HONESTLY. I, I, I just can't. I, it's so foreign to me. I feel like I'm I'm in some strange religion. When I hear people talking, we need to press into the spirit of God. I said, What are you talking about? I, I, I don't get it. I told it, we need to enter the press. Enter what? Like I I, I don't. I just want to be redefined. I don't understand it. I can't relate to it. I have no sympathy for it. I said, what, what what are you talking about? I never exited. HE'S WITH ME ALL THE TIME. HE'S WITH ME WHEN I SLEEP. HE'S WITH ME WHEN I WAKE UP. HE'S WITH ME WHEN I DO SOMETHING STUPID. AND ON RARE OCCASIONS I DO SOMETHING GOOD, HE'S STILL WITH ME. HE DOESN'T THINK, OH, YOUNGER IS GOOD ENOUGH ON HIS OWN, NOW I'LL LEAVE IT. NO, HE'S WITH ME ALL THE TIME. COME ON, THERE'S NO SEPARATION. NOW, OKAY, I GOTTA HURRY, I GOTTA HURRY. THE SECOND ILLUSION, THE ILLUSION THAT OUR SINS SEPARATE GOD FROM US. I KNOW I PREACHED THIS. I HEARD THAT PASTOR NATHAN PREACHED ABOUT IT AND PEOPLE ARE STILL ready. I MEAN, IT'S SO EMBEDDED. PEOPLE THINK THAT IF THEY SIN OR THEY FAIL, IT SEPARATES GOD FROM US. AND THE SCRIPTURE VERSE THEY use TO PROVE THIS ACTUALLY SHOWS THE OPPOSITE. SO LET'S GO TO THE VERSE THAT'S KIND OF THE GO-TO VERSE. It says in Isaiah 59:2, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Leave the verse there. Don't rush it, because this is too deep for many to see. I ask you, does that verse say that your sins separate God from you? NO, IT SAYS YOUR SINS HAVE SEPARATED YOU FROM GOD. NOT GOD FROM YOU. DOES IT SAY THAT GOD HAS HIDDEN HIS FACE FROM YOU? NO, IT SAYS YOUR SINS HAVE HIDDEN HIS FACE, MEANING HE NEVER TURNED HIS FACE AROUND. HE NEVER SHOWED YOU HIS BACKSIDE. HE he NEVER TURNED FROM YOU. HIS FACE IS TOWARDS YOU, BUT YOU CAN'T SEE IT, I CAN'T SEE IT BECAUSE OF SINS. SO MY SINS DIDN'T CHANGE GOD. Didn't change God one bit. He's not separated from me, but I, in my darkness, in my blindness, spiritual blindness, I can't see it. So it's my action, not God. God is the same. He doesn't change because you do something stupid. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) But you may change. You don't have to. I mean, even in the Old Covenant, IT SAYS IN PSALM 103, HE HAS NOT DEALT WITH US ACCORDING TO OUR SINS, NOR PUNISHED US ACCORDING TO OUR INIQUITIES. FOR AS THE HEAVENS ARE HIGH ABOVE THE EARTH, SO GREAT IS HIS MERCY. AS FAR AS THE EAST IS FROM THE WEST, SO FAR HAS HE REMOVED OUR TRANSGRESSIONS FROM US. COME ON. THAT'S PRETTY WILD. I MEAN, THAT IS A WILD CONCEPT. JUST IMAGINE IF IT'S TRUE. If that's actually true, that is, that's a blow to the whole religious industry complex. The whole religious industry of peddling forgiveness of sin on a weekly basis, little apportionment, tie you over for the week, that whole complex is out of business. If you are showing patronage as a religious consumer. Maybe you're a religion. Maybe you are a forgiveness of sin consumer. You say, what's that? That's some people who go to church. They go there to get the fix, to tie them over. Well, this shatters the whole thing. I MEAN, I, and IF WE GO TO THE NEW TESTAMENT WHERE IT SAYS THAT JESUS PUT AWAY OUR SINS BY ONE SACRIFICE FOREVER. YOU SAY, WELL, that, THAT'S A BLOW TO THE WHOLE RELIGION. OH, THANK GOD. YOU see, you SAY, WELL, HOW CAN IT BE THAT GOOD? WELL, IF THE OPPOSITE IS TRUE, IF I'M WRONG IN WHAT I'M SAYING, if, IF PSALM 103 IS WRONG, IF HE HASN'T REALLY REMOVED OUR TRANSGRESSIONS AS FAR AS THE EAST IS FROM THE WEST, THEN WE CAN SAY THIS, THAT JESUS MUST BE SACRIFICED REPEATEDLY. THAT MEANS THAT THE CROSS AND THE RESURRECTION OF JESUS WAS A FAILED EXPERIMENT. IT DIDN'T REALLY WORK BECAUSE IT NEEDS TO BE DONE AGAIN AND AGAIN. BUT IT SAYS IT WORKED. IT PUT AWAY OUR SIN BY ONE SACRIFICE FOREVER. COME ON NOW. You can say like this, you know, all through the religious system of the Old Testament, you know, the priests were always on duty. There's a different priest. They kind of shift workers, you know. I don't know if they worked 12 hours or a certain group of, of priests. They were working at the temple, attending to everything, you know, doing the sacrifices, uh, receiving the offerings. They were there. And they kind of like an assembly line. They bow out. Okay, you're next. I got to go to sleep now. Here comes the next. Here comes the next. But when Jesus came, he never bowed out for the next one. He sat down and he said, It is finished. There is no plan B. He is the Lamb of God who put away the sins of the world. So, friends, I don't I don't encourage you to fail. I don't encourage you to sin, but your sins does not take God away from you. He loves you. He's a friend of sinners. Have you ever read the gospels? Here it was, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, God will also. CONFIRM YOU TO THE END THAT YOU MAY BE BLAMELESS. GOD IS FAITHFUL uh, BY WHOM YOU WERE CALLED INTO THE FELLOWSHIP OF HIS SON, JESUS CHRIST. YOU HAVE FELLOWSHIP WITH GOD. WHY? WHO IS THE GUARANTOR? JESUS CHRIST IS THE GUARANTOR. He said, WHAT IF I FAIL? WELL, 2 TIMOTHY 2.13, IF WE ARE FAITHLESS, HE REMAINS FAITHFUL. HE CANNOT DENY HIMSELF. He cannot deny himself. And so today, you you see, this illusion of separation is fueled by preachers telling you that God has turned his back on you because of a sin. How many so-called altar calls have not been given? If there's one sin between you and God, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. IF THERE'S ONE SIN BETWEEN YOU AND GOD, THAT'S ALL. NO, THERE MAY BE ONE SIN THAT BLOCKS YOUR VIEW OF GOD, BUT GOD DOESN'T SEE ANY SIN BETWEEN US. JESUS PUT THAT AWAY. YOU SAY, WELL, PASTOR PETER, YOU GIVE INVITATIONS. YES. I ENCOURAGE PEOPLE ALL OVER THE WORLD TO REPENT OF THEIR ILLUSIONS. YOU'VE BEEN THINKING THAT GOD IS SO SMALL, HE'S SO PUNY, THAT HE'S DEPENDENT ON YOU TO DO CERTAIN RITUALS, TO MAKE YOURSELF ACCEPTABLE? IS THAT THE PUNY, LITTLE, PATHETIC GOD YOU WORSHIP? I SAY, REPENT, CHANGE YOUR MIND, AND COME TO THE GOD WHO HAS BEEN REVEALED THROUGH JESUS CHRIST. COME TO THE ONE, THE GOD WHO SENT HIS SON TO PUT AWAY YOUR SINS FOREVER. REPENT. THAT'S MY altar CALL. All right. These were my two easy points. Are you ready now? Especially if you're a visit to our church, because if you've been here a lot, you've heard a lot of teaching, but this might be heavy for you. But stay with me. I warn you. Okay, you're all staying. Good. The, the, third, the third illusion is that the new covenant is an addition to the old covenant. You, you see, the old covenant, which is not the first book in the Bible. The first book in the Bible, Genesis, is not about the Old Covenant. That is before the Old Covenant. That is a time of grace. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in a time of grace. They are not part of the Old Covenant. Then comes to, in the, in Book of Exodus, comes the Old Covenant, and it lasts for 1,400 years. And it is a covenant about separation. It's all about separation between God and people, and between people. So, for example, women were only allowed so much. They were separated from the men. I'm trying to make the women upset now. At least I can get you on my side here right now. Uh, they were separated. So, at the temple, they couldn't really, they have to stay at a distance. But then, men were separated from other men, namely the Levites, the priests. But then, among the priests, there was also separation with the high priest and the other priests. So, the whole thing was an apartheid system. Of, of separation. God was separate. He was, they were trying to call on God, call on God. You know, that's another funny expression. Oh, we need to call on God. You need to call on God? I never heard such a thing. I don't call on God. I, Hello, God. I'm crying to you. No, I, I can't relate to this. And 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 you shouldn't either if you've been attending this church. But sometimes I think it just kind of revelation comes and goes in one ear and out the other. There's no practical application. Why you? Where where is he? It's Christ in you, the mystery that was hidden that the people didn't see for centuries and millennia. It has now been revealed. It's been revealed to us. It was hidden. They didn't know it. Moses didn't know it. David didn't know it. At best, they saw a glimpse of it. It's now been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so if we think that the new covenant is just an addition, we're going to still live in that separation. God, come, come. I used to be like that. I think I would have quit the ministry by now if I would still believe that because I work so hard, you know. If you only like do a little bit, I do a lot. So I had to be constantly begging God to show up. <laughs> you know, I would have quit, but I'm not quitting because I'm not asking God to show up. Jesus Christ lives in me. I'm in him. He's in me. And so, so let, 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 let me show you here. Hebrews 8, 7, it says, if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Did you realize that? Now, here's a warning. The first 39 books of the Bible, Except for the first one. Be cautious because God found fault with them. They never told me that when I got my first Bible. Ten-year-old in Sunday school got my first Bible. Said Peter Youngren on the front and printed in gold. It didn't come with a label. Warning, Peter. Young, ten-year-old Peter, we warn you the first 39 books, God found fault with them. Nobody ever told me that. Put the verse back up. If the first covenant, which is, had been faultless, then no place would have been found for a second. Verse 13 says, "In that he says a new covenant, he made the first one obsolete. Obsolete means it's not functioning. It's like you going to the airport to fly to, to Europe with a passport from 1962. They're going to say, "What? It's obsolete." It was nice. He said, Well, it worked last time. I haven't been out of the country since 1962. It worked as good back then. And maybe it was good back then. It's not good today, it's obsolete. So God says here that the first covenant is obsolete. And people have trouble with this and, and, and don't think through what it means. Uh, you know, one of the PROBLEM is that we don't understand that Jesus had two ministries. Everybody say two ministries. Now, it says in Galatians 4, verse 4, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So one of the ministers of Jesus was to speak to people who were bound in a religious system, they were born under the law he was born under the law to redeem them he was going to set them free from religion that's what i'm working on this morning and most mornings that i have a privilege of speaking to you i am working on setting us free from religion i'm working from setting us free from religious bondage and bringing us into the glorious liberty of jesus christ the only thing that can make us truly holy and truly live a righteous kind of a life and so jesus came for that reason So, for example, in in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, many of Jesus' sermons, he's addressing Jewish people, the Sermon on the Mount, for example. It's very clear he's not addressing Romans. He actually refers to Romans in that Sermon on the Mount as kind of, you know, he said, you know, even the Gentiles do this. Obviously, the Gentiles weren't in the service. He's referring to them that so, so they knew he's talking to Jewish people, people who were under the law. AND THEN IN THE GOSPEL OF JOHN AND SOME PARTS OF MATTHEW, MARK, AND LUKE AS WELL, HE'S SPEAKING TO US BELIEVERS. AND SO WE GET KIND OF AFFECTED BY THIS SEPARATION. AND IT SAYS IN 2 Timothy 2.15, RIGHTLY DIVIDING THE WORD OF TRUTH. SO WE NEED TO KNOW WHO THE BIBLE IS SPEAKING TO. IS IT SPEAKING TO YOU? NOT EVERYTHING SPEAKS TO YOU. WHEN IT SAYS CUT OFF YOUR HAND, IT'S NOT FOR YOU. Somebody could say amen to that or something. When he says cut off your genitalia, it's not for you. And Paul says cut it all off. It's not for you. Don't, don't worry about it. I can explain it later, so don't go and do that. So we have to divide it. Take, for example, something very simple. as Matthew 6, where Jesus says to the religious people, the Jewish people, he says, you can pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Right? Have you heard that one before? But, but let's look at it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You put that up there. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm waiting for it to come. There it is. There you have the separation. Well, I'm down here and he's up there. Well, that was true for the Jewish people. The ones who had not entered into the new covenant is true. God was up above somewhere there. He was up there, but when Paul later on in the New Covenant prays, referring to God as a Father, in Ephesians chapter three, he says, "I bow my knees to the Father, of whom all the families in heaven and earth are named." And he's praised like this. He says that you may know the fullness of God inside of you. Your inner man will be strengthened. When he's talking about the Father, he's not talking about way up there somewhere. He's talking about this Father. He is. Strengthening us and we have the fullness of God inside of us. Come on now. You can't have your kingdom come. Well, that was a good prayer for them because the kingdom of God was at hand back then. It hadn't fully manifested yet. SO THAT WAS A GOOD THING TO TELL THE JEWISH PEOPLE, THE RELIGIOUS PEOPLE, PRAY FOR GOD'S KINGDOM TO COME, BUT I'M NOT PRAYING FOR GOD'S KINGDOM TO COME BECAUSE I, I KNOW THE GOSPEL, I KNOW THE NEW COVENANT, I HAVE ALREADY AND YOU HAVE ALREADY BEEN TRANSLATED FROM THE KINGDOM OF DARKNESS INTO THE KINGDOM OF HIS DEAR SON, JESUS CHRIST. AND IF THAT ISN'T ENOUGH, LOOK AT ROMANS CHAPTER 14. HE SAYS, THE KINGDOM OF GOD IS RIGHTEOUSNESS AND PEACE AND JOY IN THE HOLY SPIRIT. The kingdom of God has come. We're not waiting for something, but you see, that's what religions does. It always puts you like you don't have it. You don't have it. It's not here yet. Keep pressing in. Keep going for it. Keep coming. Oh, it's going to come if you press in. If you pray enough. No, it came. Jesus even told before his death. He said, "Most of you standing here, you're going to see the kingdom come with power before you're dead, because the day of Pentecost was yet to come." It came. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven? Well, in Hebrews 10:17, 7 it says, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it's written on me to do your will, O God. What's the context? It's talking about how they were offering oxen and sheep for the sacrifice of sin, but it didn't do any good. AND SO HE SAYS, OH, I'VE COME, JESUS SAYS, TO DO YOUR WILL, FATHER. AND WHAT I DID WAS I PUT AWAY THEIR SINS BY ONE SACRIFICE. SO GOD'S WILL HAS HAPPENED. IT HAPPENED AT THE CROSS WHEN HE WAS WOUNDED FOR YOUR TRANSGRESSIONS, BRUISED FOR YOUR INIQUITIES, AND BY HIS STRIPES YOU WERE HEALED. THAT WAS THE WILL OF GOD REVEALED ON THE CROSS OF CALVARY. HALLELUJAH. THEN it SAYS, GIVE US THIS DAY OUR DAILY BREAD. THAT WAS A GOOD PRAYER, GIVE US THIS DAY OUR DAILY BREAD. THAT WAS A GOOD PRAYER FOR THOSE JEWISH PEOPLE. THAT'S A GOOD PRAYER FOR THEM. BUT YOU KNOW, FUNNY THING ABOUT JESUS, I DON'T KNOW WHETHER HE WAS TALKING ABOUT PHYSICAL BREAD OR SPIRITUAL BREAD, BUT A FEW VERSES LATER, YOU KNOW WHAT JESUS SAYS THERE? DON'T WORRY ABOUT WHAT YOU'RE GOING TO EAT OR DRINK. So, WHICH WAY IS IT, JESUS? One moment you tell us we should pray for daily bread every day and then he says a few verses later, don't even worry about what you eat or drink. Look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barn yet your heavenly father feeds them. So which is it? Should we say, oh God, give me daily bread or should we say, no, I'm not worried about bread. Are you still here? I hope you didn't leave your brain outside because we like to have your brain engaged as well. Which way is it? Jesus is speaking to these people who, who, who didn't understand the new covenant. That they were trying to be righteous in their own way. He says, Well, I guess you can ask for daily bread. That's a good thing for you to do. And then if, if he means spiritual bread, Jesus said, He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of meat will never be hungry again. Whoever drinks of the water I give will never thirst again. So there that there goes another part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. WELL, I GUESS IT WAS GOOD FOR THE JEWISH PEOPLE, FOR THE RELIGIOUS PEOPLE. I WOULD SAY TO EVERY RELIGIOUS PERSON, IF YOU'RE HUNGRY FOR REALITY, IF YOU'RE THIRSTY FOR REALITY, BLESSED ARE YOU BECAUSE YOU'LL BE FILLED. BUT ONCE YOU'RE FILLED, YOU'RE NOT HUNGRY AND THIRSTY ANYMORE. SO WHICH WAY IS IT? ARE YOU A FOLLOWER OF JESUS OR ARE YOU A FOLLOWER OF RELIGION THAT SAYS, OH, JUST KEEP BEING HUNGRY? I'M NOT HUNGRY. I HAVE JESUS. I'M NOT THIRSTY. I HAVE THE LIVING WATER. I CAN'T LIVE LIKE THAT. I, I, re- I REJECT. I re- REPENT OF THAT LIFE. IF YOU'VE BEEN LIVING THIS LIFE, OH, LOOK AT ME. I'M SO HUNGRY FOR GOD. REPENT, MY FRIEND. YOU'RE LIVING A FANTASY LAND. YOU'RE LIVING AN ILLUSION. JESUS IS THE BREAD OF LIFE. YOU COME TO HIM, YOU'LL NEVER BE HUNGRY. YOU'LL NEVER BE THIRSTY. IS THIS SHOCKING TO YOU? I'M HELPING TO TEAR DOWN THAT, that, that ILLUSION. And then, what what comes next here? Uh, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That was as good as it got. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the best they had in the old covenant. I'm sure glad we got something better than that. Imagine if God was going to forgive you according to how you forgive others. I forgave old Joe, but. I don't want to have him over for coffee, that's for sure. I forgave him, but I sure don't want to hang out with him and his. I, I don't like the likes of him. Oh, I forgive him. I don't trust him, but I forgave him because the preacher told me to. Would you like for God to forgive your trespasses as you forgive everybody else? THAT'S AS GOOD AS IT WAS. BUT THEN CAME THE GOSPEL. OH, THANK GOD. SO WE DO NOT RECEIVE FORGIVENESS ON THE BASIS OF HOW MUCH WE FORGIVE OTHERS, BUT HERE IT SAYS IN EPHESIANS 4, BE KIND, TENDER-HEARTED, FORGIVING ONE ANOTHER AS GOD IN CHRIST FORGAVE YOU. YOU HAVE BEEN FORGIVEN BY GOD IN CHRIST. HALLELUJAH. YOU'RE NOT WAITING. IT'S NOT BEING MEASURED. I SAY WE ARE NOT FORGIVEN ACCORDING TO OUR ABILITY TO FORGIVE, BUT ACCORDING TO WHAT CHRIST HAS DONE. SO WE HAVE A BETTER COVENANT AND YET MANY PEOPLE LIVE IN these BOTH THESE COVENANTS. OH, oh I GOT TO HAVE A LITTLE BIT OF THIS AND oh, I HAVE CHRIST IN ME BUT HE'S ALSO NOT HERE. HE'S KIND OF ONLY A BIT HERE. LOOK AT THIS ONE. LEAD US NOT INTO TEMPTATION BUT DELIVER US FROM THE EVIL ONE. That was an appropriate prayer for those people. That's that's what they knew, but I know better. Because my Bible says in the book of James that God doesn't tempt anyone. So there's not a question of God leading me into temptation. AND AS FAR AS THE EVIL ONE, I HAVE COLOSSIANS 2.15, THAT JESUS TRIUMPHED OVER ALL PRINCIPALITIES AND POWERS AND MADE A SHOW OF THEM OPENLY. I HAVE HEBREWS 2.14, THAT HE BROUGHT THE DEVIL TO ZERO. I HAVE MATTHEW 28, THAT ALL AUTHORITY ON HEAVEN AND EARTH IS BELONGING TO JESUS CHRIST WHICH MEANS THE DEVIL HAS NOTHING. COME ON NOW. COME ON, COME ON. SO, YOU KNOW, PEOPLE HAVE THIS ILLUSION BECAUSE THEY THINK, WELL, THE NEW COVENANT JUST KIND OF ADDED ON. NO, IT MADE THE OLD ONE obsolete. AMEN. ALL RIGHT. SO, I GOT TO GET TO MY FINAL POINT HERE. ILLUSIONS ARE SHATTERED WHEN WE DISCOVER CHRIST. CHRIST IS BEFORE ALL. ALL THINGS WERE MADE BY HIM, UPHELD BY HIM, IN HIM ALL THINGS CONSIST. AND AT THE END OF TIME, EVERYTHING WILL BE PUT UNDER CHRIST'S FEET. COLOSSIANS 311, CHRIST IS ALL AND IN ALL. THAT'S WHY PAUL SAID TO THE ATHENIANS WHO NEVER READ THE BIBLE, WHO NEVER RAISED their HAND IN WORSHIP, WHO NEVER SAID HALLELUJAH, HE SAID IN HIM, WE LIVE AND MOVE AND HAVE OUR BEING, AND HIM WE PREACH. SO MY QUESTION IS, IF OUR, IF WE ARE NOT SEPARATED, IF THERE'S NOT A SEPARATION, WHAT IS OUR MESSAGE? WHAT SHOULD WE TELL? BECAUSE THIS IS WHAT PREACHERS ARE TELLING CHRISTIANS. OH, YOU KNOW, GOD WANTS TO BREAK THROUGH TO YOU. HE WANTS TO TOUCH YOU, BUT YOU KNOW, YOU GOT TO GET DEAL WITH SOME THINGS IN YOUR LIFE FIRST AND there's SOME THINGS THAT ARE HINDERING GOD FROM DOING WHAT HE WANTS IN YOUR LIFE. SO IF PREACHERS CAN'T PREACH THAT ANYMORE, AND I STOPPED THAT MANY YEARS AGO, and if I can't tell the world, oh God's turned his back on you, unless you turn back to God, God's gonna keep his back on you. And I tell you, if I can't intimidate people, which I used to be pretty good at before you were born, some of you, what am I supposed to preach? Well, I'll give you some here. I preach this: all creation is by Christ and upheld by Christ. I said to people, you know, Christ upholds you. I say, said, Christ? I'm a Muslim. I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Hindu. Yeah, I said, I'm just giving you new information. It's Christ who upholds you. He loves you. Well, I didn't even know that. I Well, listen to this. I'm giving you new information. And I said that the illusion of separation is shattered when darkened minds are enlightened by Christ. So when you become enlightened, in fact, oh, Christ has created me. He's upholding me. Oh, He's not away from me. I'm not disgusting to God. I'm not terrible looking to God. God, has, God isn't just repulsed at me. He loves me. I'm being upheld by Christ. I have potential. I can do all things through Christ. There's a whole new life available to me. Then you shatter that darkness. And I do it with people of all religions. I DON'T COME AND INTIMIDATE THEM. I DON'T SAY, I'M HERE TO THREATEN YOU AND TELL YOU, IF YOU DON'T BELIEVE LIKE ME, I TELL YOU GOD'S GONNA GET YOU. NO, I JUST PRESENT OPPORTUNITY. I SAID, THE ONE WHO MADE YOU, THE ONE WHO UPHOLDS YOU, THE ONE IN WHOSE HAND YOU ARE, HIS NAME IS JESUS THE CHRIST. AND SO LET THE DARKNESS DISPELLED. LET THE BLINDNESS GO. LET YOUR EYES BE OPEN. AND THEN I SAY, CONFESS JESUS CHRIST IS LORD. NOW THAT YOU KNOW WHO CHRIST IS, CONFESS WITH YOUR MOUTH, JESUS CHRIST IS LORD, AND YOU'RE SAVED. I DON'T SAY TO THEM, CONFESS ALL YOUR SINS. WHO CAN REMEMBER ALL YOUR SINS ANYHOW? SOME OF YOU WERE SO DRUNK WHEN YOU COMMITTED THOSE SINS, YOU COULDN'T REMEMBER THEM. And PROBABLY THAT'S A GOOD THING. NOT THAT YOU WERE, uh, LET'S NOT GO THERE, WHETHER IT WAS GOOD OR BAD THAT YOU WERE DRUNK, BUT THANK GOD YOU CAN'T REMEMBER EVERYTHING. ARE YOU GLAD FOR THAT? YOU CONFESS JESUS IS LORD, BUT THEN, WHAT DID WE DO THEN? If I can't then tell you, oh, God's not pleased with you, then what you do is this, we grow in the knowledge of Christ. So that instead of saying, oh, "I'm entering God's presence now," I'm pressing in here. I'm pressing in for more of God. I don't need more of God. I got God. It's not like half God, quarter God, you know, triple God, quadruple God. I, I, I got Christ, and I just grow in the knowledge of Christ. I see that Christ <laughs> applies to every area of my life. Helps me in business. Helps me in relationship. Helps me to overcome temptation. Help me when I'm grouchy. Help me. I'm focusing on not what I don't. Have, I'M FOCUSING ON WHO I HAVE. I HAVE CHRIST. I'M GROWING IN THE KNOWLEDGE OF CHRIST. AND THEN, NUMBER FIVE, WE PUT ON CHRIST. ROMANS thirteen fourteen. PUT ON CHRIST. MAKE NO PROVISION FOR THE FLESH. THE FLESH HERE BEING REFERRED TO AS LEGALISTIC RELIGIOUS DEEDS. DON'T MAKE ANY ROOM FOR THAT. DON'T THINK THAT THAT'S GOING TO HELP YOU. Don't think that you're going to be able to brag about your religious deeds. No, put on Christ. Focus on what you have. You have Christ. I find all over Canada, charismatic, spirit-filled believers, what is their focus? What they don't have. That's all they talk about. What Canada doesn't have. We need a revival. We need a breakthrough. We need this. It goes on and on. I am exhausted by the whole thing. I CAN'T LIVE LIKE THAT AND I HAVEN'T LIVED LIKE THAT FOR DECADES NOW. I AM NOT IN AND OUT. <laughs> I DON'T ENTER THE PRESENCE AND EXIT THE PRESENCE. I DON'T TAKE TIME FOR THE LORD AND NOW IT'S TIME WHEN THE LORD IS NOT ALLOWED. I'M GOING TO GIVE AN HOUR TO THE LORD AND THEN THE OTHERS I'LL JUST KIND OF SLEEP AND EAT AND, 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 and GOSSIP. THIS IS AN UNATTRACTIVE LIFE. THIS IS A BORING LIFE. AND I PITY PEOPLE WHO HEAR THAT KIND OF TEACHING, ESPECIALLY IF YOU'RE A SINGLE PARENT WITH THREE LITTLE KIDS THAT YOU HAVE TO GO TO THIS PLACE AND THAT PLACE AND TO GET YOUR BREAKTHROUGH TO THIS AND THAT. THAT MEANS IT'S ONLY FOR A SELECT FEW WHO HAVE THE FINANCIAL MEANS TO GET THEM INTO A PLACE WHERE THEY CAN uh, uh, SUPPOSEDLY MEET GOD. NO. I WELCOME YOU TO THIS RESTFUL LIFE, THIS BEAUTIFUL LIFE. HE'LL NEVER LEAVE ME NOR FORSAKE ME. I'M I'm PART OF HIM. HE'S A PART OF ME. Uh, YOU SEE, IT MAKES YOU, YOU'RE NOT EASY-PICKING FOR CONDEMNATION. SOME CHRISTIANS ARE SUCH EASY-PICKING. IT JUST TAKES ANY LITTLE PREACHER, GET UP AND TALK TO THEM FOR FIVE MINUTES AND THEY FEEL ALL CONDEMNED. OH, YOU'RE NOT LIKE YOU SHOULD BE. THEY JUST FALL FOR IT. THEY FALL FOR IT EVERY TIME. THEY JUST FALL FOR IT. YOU KNOW, YOU'RE NOT EASY PICKING ANYMORE. YOU'RE ENJOYING YOUR UNITY WITH CHRIST. (laughs) i love to be here. Right now, this is a sanctuary, but in a few minutes, it will not be anymore. It'll be something else. It'll just be an empty building. and It's no different than Canadian Tire or Tim Hortons or whatever the place is next door, Tesla, whatever. It's just the same thing. When we go home, it's just a building, but we are here. You are the temple of God. God never leaves you. You say, well, I did something stupid this week. Well, even so much more, God didn't leave you. YOU REALLY NEED GOD IF YOU DID SOMETHING STUPID. SO FOR SURE, WHAT KIND OF GOD WOULD HE BE IF HE LEAVES YOU WHEN YOU DO SOMETHING STUPID? WHO NEEDS A GOD LIKE THAT? WHEN YOU DO SOMETHING STUPID, YOU NEED MORE GOD THAN EVER. LOOK AT YOUR NEIGHBOR AND SAY, HE'S NOT TALKING TO YOU, BUT SOMEBODY. <laughs> ENJOY LIFE. SO I SAY TO YOU, I, 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 I REPENTED OF THIS. <laughs> PREACH repentance. I'm, THAT'S THE WHOLE SERMON. I'VE BEEN PREACHING REPENT OF YOUR ILLUSIONS, YOUR FANTASY LAND. Come into reality of Jesus Christ. Many people need to be born again, especially charismatic Christians. They need to repent of their illusions of what God hasn't done yet when He's done so much. Okay, I just wanted to give you these thoughts for your consideration. You may not agree with me, and that's okay. I love you anyhow. BUT YOU CAN CONSIDER THIS. I HEARD SOMEONE SAY LAST WEEK, YOU KNOW, YOU CAN'T PERSUADE PEOPLE OF ANYTHING, REALLY. I USED TO THINK I COULD persuade. IF I REALLY GAVE IT TO YOU, I COULD PERSUADE YOU. NO. YOU HAVE TO BE WILLING TO BE PERSUADED. AND MAYBE YOU'RE NOT. MAYBE YOU SAY, I LIKE MY OLD RELIGION. IT WAS GOOD ENOUGH FOR GRAMMAR. I LIKE THE OLD WAY. WELL, GO AHEAD. IT'S OKAY. It's okay. I'm just submitting <laughs> some revelation concerning Jesus Christ for your kindest consideration. That maybe you've been missing something. You've been feeling this separation, this gap, and it wasn't there. Praise God. Let us all arise, <laughs> stand. <laughs> Let's lift our hands and just say, Thank you, Lord. SAY, THANK YOU, LORD, FOR THESE CONSIDERATIONS. I WILL THINK ABOUT IT. THANK YOU, GOD, FOR JESUS CHRIST. HALLELUJAH. WELL, LET'S LIFT OUR HANDS A LITTLE BIT. NOW I CAN GET THE SINGERS TO COME BACK HERE. I'M GOING TO DO SOMETHING ELSE IMPORTANT HERE. BUT YOU KNOW, ONE OF THE BEAUTIFUL THINGS IN THIS IS WE HAVE THE NAME OF JESUS CHRIST. ONE THING THIS HAS DONE FOR ME, I WAS TALKING TO TYNA ABOUT THIS, you know, I DON'T NEED TO WORK MYSELF UP INTO A PASSION. LIKE, OH, I'M GOING TO MINISTER. OH, I GOT TO GET MYSELF WORKED UP. I USED TO BE LIKE THAT. AND MANY PREACHERS, THEY WORK THEMSELVES UP, YOU KNOW. I'M JUST HAVING ANOTHER DAY AT THE OFFICE, AND JESUS IS WITH ME. SO WHEN I PRAY FOR THE SICK IN THE NAME OF JESUS, HE HEALS THEM whether i'm worked up about it whether i'm like flailing and running around a stage and screaming and saying this is your day for a miracle like my friends do in africa ah, I like this or oh, whether it's just it's just a, another day at the office here i am my body is the temple of the holy spirit i have the name of jesus and we're having another day at the office are you with me Oh, thank you. Some of you, are just, you're so quiet. Are you okay? This is just another day at the office. You don't have to get yourself into a frenzy. You don't have to go. Kind of, oh, I got to get in the mood. I, I, I want to make sure I, I make, I have to usher in the presence. What do you mean? You, you're going to usher in the Holy Spirit, like usher. Come, let me help you, Holy Spirit, here. I'm going to walk you in here to the meeting. We're going to usher you in. Who do you think you are? You're going to usher God in. People talk like that. We're going to usher in the presence. Oh, my God. Repent. He's here. He lives in you. You don't need to usher something in. I suppose if you're going to usher the presence in, we have to usher it out. It's like our mayoral candidate. Some candidates say the whole service, some of them we have to usher in, and some we have to usher out. Megan, you did a good job ushering there. She ushered her in and she ushered her out. Hmm, how are we doing up here? I know our time is done. We're supposed to be finished by now. I'm just enjoying myself because you're looking at me with that kind of cute look like you're not sure which side you're going to look at. You don't know whether you're going to tell me at the door that was a good sermon or you're. I don't know what to say here. I just got you thinking. I'm not ushering in the Holy Spirit. Is that what Jesus said? WHEN THE HOLY SPIRIT COMES, YOU NEED TO USHER HIM IN. THAT'S JUST DUMB, CHARISMATIC TALK FROM PEOPLE WHO DON'T KNOW WHICH COVENANT THEY'RE IN. SO HERE WE ARE. I'M GOING TO PUT MY HAND IN MY POCKET TO LOOK REALLY CASUAL HERE NOW. I CAN'T EVEN FLAIL MY HANDS AT YOU. i want TO PRAY IN THE NAME OF JESUS FOR YOUR HEALING RIGHT NOW. IT'S ANOTHER DAY AT THE OFFICE FOR THE ONE WHO NEVER LEAVES US NOR FORSAKES US. And if you say, I like to receive something from the Lord, lift your hand way up high. If you say, I don't want to receive, I need help in my body, I need whatever, well, it's hard to keep my hands in my pocket. I keep them behind my back like this, all right? I try to look as dignified as I can. Can we pray right now? Jesus Christ is here. You don't have to work yourself into something here now to receive and get yourself all psyched into hyping up the atmosphere. No, Jesus is here. Come on, let's receive right now. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, THAT YOU NEVER LEAVE ME, YOU NEVER FORSAKE US. I THANK YOU FOR THIS REVELATION THAT THERE'S NO SEPARATION. THAT CHRIST IS ALL, AND IN ALL, I THANK YOU THAT CHRIST INDWELLS US, SO I THANK YOU, LORD, THAT I I PRAY IN THE NAME OF JESUS. I'M NOT LOOKING FOR SOME extraterrestrial POWER, BUT I THANK YOU THAT THE POWER IS HERE. THE REALITY OF JESUS IS HERE. SO IN THE NAME OF JESUS CHRIST, THE UPHOLDER OF ALL THINGS, I SPEAK TO SICKNESS. I SPEAK TO PAIN IN THE NAME OF JESUS AS HE COMMANDED. I SPEAK TO THAT. SICKNESS TO LEAVE IN THE NAME OF JESUS. I thank you, Father. Now, if you wish to, only if you wish to, you can lift your hand and begin to thank God for 30 seconds for your healing. Thank God that He is your healer, He is your freedom, He is your wisdom. I thank you, Christ, that You are my healer. I thank You, Lord Jesus. Let's express our joy to the Lord. Let's express our gratitude to God. However, you want to do it, you want to shout or clap or do whatever, just go ahead and express to Jesus uh, that You are great. Grateful to Him, let's go ahead and do that. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just express it with your mouth, with your words. Amen. Amen. Bow your head with me. If you say, "I, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord," I believe He took my sins by one sacrifice. AND I LEAVE BEHIND ALL MY OTHER ATTEMPTS AT uh, MAKING MYSELF WORTHY OR GOOD ENOUGH OR ACCEPTABLE ENOUGH, I LEAVE ALL THOSE THINGS BEHIND ME. AND I COME TO JESUS. IF YOU, WHEN I PRAY ABOUT THAT, IF YOU SAY, I WANT TO BE INCLUDED, I WANT TO LEAVE THIS COBWEB OF RELIGION AND SELF-EFFORT BEHIND ME, AND I'M COMING TO JESUS. LIFT YOUR HAND WAY UP HIGH. GOD BLESS YOU. GOD BLESS YOU. GOD BLESS YOU OVER HERE. ANOTHER ONE OVER HERE. LET'S PRAY ALL OF US RIGHT NOW. WOULD YOU SAY HEAVENLY FATHER? THANK YOU FOR THE GOOD NEWS. THANK YOU THAT JESUS DIED FOR MY SINS. THAT JESUS CHRIST IS LORD. AND I CONFESS WITH MY MOUTH, JESUS IS LORD. AND I CHANGE MY MIND FROM MY DEAD WORKS AND I COME TO CHRIST, AMEN.